Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everyone around you is keeping safe and well and healthy. How you doing? Are you recovered yet from the transfer deadline day madness? Wow. If you listened to the Arsecast Extra yesterday, you will have uh, heard myself and James not feeling particularly confident that we were going to do anything in terms of incoming business. Uh, it was more uh, hope than expectation, um, but we've signed Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid. We activated his release clause by paying 50 million euros to La Liga and we have brought him to North London. He will be an Arsenal player. He signed a four-year contract, etc., etc. So uh, we have to talk about that. We were going to do this for our Patreon members only, but when you do make a signing as big as that one, I think it's fair that we make this podcast available to everyone. If you feel like becoming a Patreon member, though, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash arseblog. Uh, it costs a fiver a month and you get the tactics podcast, ad-free podcast, Discord, chat, live streams, all that kind of stuff. And it does support everything that we do here on the site as well. So without much further ado, we'll get into this one. Obviously, the Thomas Partey thing is going to be the main crux of the discussion, but we'll be talking about uh, the transfer window in general, some of the deals that we've done, uh, looking at it overall, the state of the squad as we go into, well, I was going to say the rest of the season, but uh, between now and January, because there is another transfer window in January, of course, but that, you know, we can cross that particular bridge when we come to it. With me to discuss it all is first Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Hi there. And we've got James. Hello, James. Hello, guys. James, let's start with you, because yesterday on the Arsecast Extra, we were not exactly confident that something was going to happen. We were a little bit, I suppose, negative might be a word that people might use, but it was more about just the lack of any insight into anything that was going on. It didn't seem like there was going to be a late move for anybody. So how surprised were you when Arsenal did what they did and put the wheels in motion to sign Thomas Partey yesterday? Uh, uh, Yesterday, yes. I was quite surprised. I mean, I had said on the show a few times that the beauty of a release clause is you you can go back to it, but mm. I did not anticipate Arsenal doing that. And when it Charles Watts it was who broke the news that Arsenal were making a move for Thomas Partey, I kind of sat up in my chair and thought, here we go. And uh, yeah, it's it was a pretty dramatic final few hours. It's one of those where... You know, deadline days, when they pass and you're not involved, uh, unless you're really happy with the business you've already done, they can be slightly sombre days. But when there's a signing in the offing, suddenly it's all exciting. And uh, delighted they got it over the line. I actually think, you know, when you look at our midfield, as we talked about yesterday, and the paucity of options that we have, I think it's a really, really important deal for Arsenal to have done. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts just on the the player and and getting this done. Obviously, there was a big gap when we've decided to let Lucas Torreira go to Atletico Madrid, of course, as well. So um, a little bit of, uh, not coincidence, but, you know, there was something going on there. And Matteo Genduzzi has joined Hertha Berlin. It left us with, as senior options, uh, Granit Xhaka, Mohamed Elneny and Danny Ceballos. Ceballos, somebody who, you know, we all like, but he's not our player at the end of the day. So how important was it for Arsenal to do something in the midfield yesterday? today and, and and what do you make of Thomas Partey? Um, I, I mean I think it was hugely important because as you say like once you looked at the club ready to sanction the Torreira and Guendouzi departures I was kind of thinking there's a gaping big hole here we're really really exposed and you know the fact that we got to sort of midday and then one o'clock two o'clock and still there was nothing I just sort of was a little bit resigned to the idea that we weren't going to do anything and I thought that is a huge risk um, you know the 
I, I can see the the way the conversation is going to go. The fans will be furious, and um, you know it would generally have made our life a lot more difficult. Um, as for what party's going to bring, I mean, the, the truth is, I mean, I remember watching him a, a couple of years ago when Arsenal played Atletico um, at the Emirates in the Europa League. I, I, at the time, I didn't really think a huge amount of him, to be honest. Um, I don't think he was even playing in the centre of midfield. But, you know, it looks like on, on paper, and you look at some of the stats and you read some of the analysis of his game, that he's definitely going to bring us something that we don't really have, Um I think that kind of involves someone who's a bit more mobile. Um, you know, I was having shivers at the idea, like a lot of people were, about the Jorginho transfer from Chelsea, which we were also yeah. linked with. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm really curious. I, I you know, I, I, we've seen with Arteta over the course of the last few months what he can eke out of existing players. Um, and I think with the right structure, um, you know, this guy was obviously a long-term target by the looks of things. So he must have a plan in mind for him. So I'm excited about all of that. James, he is somebody that has been on the radar for a little while. Um, Francis Kajigao was, uh, you know, uh, behind a, a big scouting report and, and recommending him to the club. Um, so he's not somebody who is like, oh shit, who are we going to get? Let's get somebody at the last minute. This is somebody who um, the... You know, the club have been after, they're well aware of, they know his qualities, they know what he can bring. And, you know, I guess more specifically, they know what he can bring in, you know, in this particular squad. Mm, yeah, I mean, he was literally number one at the very top of the scouting department's recommendations this summer before they were all uh, dispensed with. And, you know, Unai Emery was interested in signing him, uh, you know, but it didn't happen ultimately. And, you know, Arteta has been similarly convinced that this is the guy and Edu's been convinced too. I mean, I think one of the really interesting things about him is that unlike Awar, who Arsenal were also looking at, he's 27 years old. He comes in as a very established player, you know, in the prime of his career, uh, who's ready to make an instant impact. I think that was a factor in, in Arteta being convinced by this player. I think he values that experience. They've talked about him potentially being a leader both on and off the pitch. Um, so, you know, he's someone who's here and he's going to hit the ground running. I mm. think the point made about Sabayos that we don't actually own Sabayos as well is a really good one. I mean, if you take that out, it's basically Elneny and Shaka, isn't it? In terms of yeah. players that we own, that we're prepared to pick in central midfield. So while Awar, I think, is a, a really interesting player and, appeals in a lot of respects and I think in an ideal world Arsenal would have both those players um, we do at least in people like you know Saka have players who can operate in the more creative uh, part of the midfield so it, I, I just think you know it was one of those where I was sort of prepared to make my piece with the window being what it was and you know we'll mm. sort of muddle through with Elneny but having a, a really established quality international player come in instead cast a very different light on on the entire window. Really. Yeah, I mean, look, he is 27 years of age and I've seen some people express some concerns about that, but 27 is, you know, it's he's a long way from being uh, finished by, by yeah. footballing standards, you know, and sometimes you need to have a player who can come in and do what you need him to do straight away. There's obviously an upside to bringing in a younger player who can develop and maybe become somebody who could generate funds for you if you want to sell them. But if you want to do uh, what Arsenal want to do, which is get back into the Champions League, which is to improve the team straight away, I got no issue with the fact that he's 27. There's a really great thread that people should check out from uh, David Cartledge, uh, who's on Twitter, at David J-A-C-A. And there are some really nice words in there like confident, authoritative, Essential. Uh, he talks about his ability to play um, in a in particular formations, uh, especially in uh, Andrew, uh, you know, a four four two, a four three three, a four two three one, and it just strikes me that. He is a player who will allow Mikel Arteta to use a back four. Uh, we saw it on Sunday, of course, against Sheffield United. But I think long term, Arteta's wanted to use a, a, a back four. But part of the reason he hasn't done it is because of the defenders that we have. But also part of the reason is because of the midfielders that we have or haven't had. So I think this is a very interesting part of, of this guy's arrival. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the continuation of finding flexible, versatile players certainly looks like it's going to be a, a common theme of the Arteta reign, doesn't it? I mean, Maitland-Niles, William, um, Saka. I mean, we've we've got a few now who can operate across across the pitch. I think what you were saying about playing a four-man backline is really interesting. Um, you know, I, I remember writing in the uh, pre-season preview, um, you know, that we that's something that I think Arteta wants to get back to using. I think also it's been really interesting the last couple of days watching Xhaka be the one who, one, got hooked at Anfield, didn't he? And mm. then didn't start again the other day. So it feels to me like there might be something of a sort of laying the foundations there. Um, someone's going to have to make way. He obviously is really enamoured by what El Nenny's doing at the moment. And I can kind of understand that because, you know, he's sort of come out of the blue and he's offered a, you know, a, a, a sort of Xhaka Sabaya's hybrid, I think. He's not super mobile, but he's got a bit more than than Jacker does. And he's also does have a bit of a kind of bit more about him in the final third, I think, sometimes El Nenny. So yeah, there's some some interesting options there. I mean, it's 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 I go, I guess going forward, it's whether we expect Party to really make I mean, you seem to think he'll make an impact straight away and he'll be trusted mm. straight away. I mean, he's gonna come back from international duty. I don't I personally don't think he'll be thrust straight into a game against Manchester City, but um, I don't know what you guys think about that. I I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on you know what the travel um, situation is and how much he's done on international duty and you know whatever way Mikel Arteta wants to set up his team against Manchester City. But I do think when you bring a player like this in, he will be ready. He you know um, one of the things that David Cartage says in his um, in his thread is his intelligence and his ability to adapt tactically to what Diego Simeone wanted. So look, it might be a baptism of fire but when you're a 50 million pound player when you're 27 years of age when you've been there done that for a a Champions League club like Atletico I don't really see that it's impossible for him to come in and and start that game well I mean he's going to Turkey isn't he for um, an international game with Ghana and at the moment Turkey is on the UK's quarantine list so but remember uh, footballers do have this um, you're right this exception thing they can get a letter to say that they're you know, immune or whatever, but magically they're not. Immune. Yeah, magically yeah, I immune, forgot yeah. about that. So that's a good shout. So maybe he will be available. I mean, you know, Arteta, you know, he, he tends to favour stability in the team. He's not someone who rushes people in. But if you look at the facts, uh, you know, he's already trusted Gabriel. I mean, that, that's, I think, the really encouraging thing about this signing. If you look at the spine of our team and you look at Gabriel, you look at Thomas Partey, you know, you look at the combination of sort of power and technical attributes and intelligence that those guys seem to bring. It just feels a lot more robust, a lot sturdier. And, you know, we finally seem to be signing the right type of players in the right type of areas. Yeah, look, I, I, I would have liked to sign our, but, you know, he's a creative player. And I think there is a, an element missing within our midfield uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But I think as well, if you're looking for an instant upgrade on the players that we have in the positions uh, or the position Partey is going to play in that deep role, we do have other players ahead who could perhaps fill that gap. I know we talked yesterday about Saka, James, but, you know, Willian could perhaps play more centrally. You get Pepe into the team. You've got Ceballos in there. You know, a midfield of Partey, Ceballos and Saka sounds quite exciting and new and you know full of promise and potential so you know there is obviously room for improvement in all areas of the pitch but maybe in the very short term this is the this is the kind of signing uh, that we absolutely need and, and also I think this is the deal that Arsenal ultimately felt they could do on deadline day you know they they did try for our R and it for some reason, the numbers didn't stack up uh, and they went for Partey instead. I don't think that means they're not interested in our moving forward. I don't think it means they're not going to look at adding more creativity in another window. But there is obviously just a limit to how much you can mm. achieve in any one transfer window. And, and this is the player that they could get on the day. And it's a step forward. Well, Andrew, I mean, it's it's an uncomplicated deal in many ways because of the release clause situation where you don't even have to negotiate with the, the other club. The release clause is there. You pay the release clause. The contract is terminated and you, you get the player. Um, there has been some suggestion that Atletico Madrid were unhappy at the way that this went. Um, should we 
give a shit about that? Should we care about that? Is there an element of, is there an element of, well, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things? Should you communicate your desire or your willingness to activate a release clause and to take a player away from a club at the last minute? Or is that just the fucking harsh reality of football business? You know, if you have a release clause uh, in a player's contract, you have to perhaps expect that this might be the case. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's a couple of things there, isn't there? I mean, Arsenal would have loved to have paid less than what they have done and probably did try and have a conversation with Atletico Madrid about that. And they obviously said, no, he has a release clause. So ultimately, mm. we did what we had to do. So on one level, I don't I don't really care. On another, I mean, it's not a great look as a club to start building a reputation where you sort of, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about Arsenal's class and all of this stuff and the, the Arsenal way and doing things the right way, whether you're always doing things behind people's backs. I know that Man City got agitated as well about the fact that we didn't have a conversation with them about Arteta before turning up at his house in the middle of the night to uh, to get the deal done. <laughs> um, look, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but I, I, I can see how it might look and, you know, maybe further down the line, if we want to do business with an Atletico again, they may turn around and go, mm, no, thank you. But mm. um, let's deal with that at a later date. It doesn't really bother me. To be honest, I was enjoying reveling in it like everybody else was yesterday. <laughs> James, your thoughts on that? I mean, what, what do we make of Arsenal acting with such ruthlessness on the same day that they made a dinosaur redundant? <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not but, actually joking about that. I just no, think that, yeah. you know, I the mean, optics of both those things, um, you know, could be construed as somewhat negative, if you like. I mean, there's there's an element of, you know, this is Arsenal, we're kind of flexing our muscles, we don't need to deal with you, so, you know, just be off with you. We can do what we want to do, and we're going to do it. But at the same time, as Andrew mentions, the, the, the Arsenal class that some people talk about um, isn't always evident. Yeah, and, you know, Atleti really weren't happy. And I think from a diplomatic point of view, from a relationships point of view, uh, the way in which Arsenal ultimately pursued this deal um, more than ruffled a few feathers. I have to say, as a fan, speaking just purely as a supporter, I in the transfer market, I don't mind it. I feel like it's a very, very cutthroat world. Um, it's It's tough, and Arsenal sometimes haven't been tough enough in those scenarios and, you know, showing that they're um, prepared to throw their weight around a bit and behave, you know, like a big club in some ways. Mm. Uh, that aggression, I think, is is welcome. Uh, on the subject of the dinosaur and, you know, the associated cost-cutting, how you, how you weigh, you know, the sort of uh, financial situation at Arsenal, the redundancies we've seen, the cost-cutting in other departments – against this massive outlay i think it's really individual you know how how you see that um from arsenal's point of view they've always said oh it, you know the reason we're taking these measures is to ensure we can strengthen the team mm. and as a fan of course you want to see this the team strengthened but on a human level um it's difficult not to feel frustration on the part of people who think well i i was told you couldn't afford to pay my salary and it's a minuscule fraction of what you've outlaid on the first two. Yeah, it is one of those things. And and the financial aspect of this deal is is quite interesting, isn't it? Because to activate a release clause, you've got to pay it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you can go up and say, yeah, we'll activate it and we'll pay you, you know, X amount over X uh, number of years. You've got to pay it all. So that's what Arsenal did yesterday. Um, Nigel Phillips from the Arsenal Supporters Trust tells me that um, – the restructuring of the the debt that we did during the summer with the stadium um, that KSE did freed up some cash that was in accounts that were there to, um, you know, secure accounts for security for bondholders or whatever it was. So that might be where that money has, has come from. Um, do you worry, Andrew, at all about, you know, this being part of a rising debt that's on the club or is this just kind of what we have to do if we want to get back to where we want to get to on a sporting level is this is this something we should really as fans be concerned about or you know do you have to take a more holistic view of of the way the club operates I mean I I, we watched Arteta didn't we earlier well towards the end of last season and 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 he was very much urging the club to speculate to accumulate I guess knowing full well Mm. that if you don't try and buy and recruit um, decent players that get you up to Champions League level, the gap will only widen. Um, 
I think in this respect, at least getting one of the two main targets helps maintain a sense that we are going in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jesus, the club now needs to deliver on the pitch, right? And mm. there's never probably been a tougher climate in which to do it. Uh, you look around the league and it's just so ridiculously competitive now. I mean, I'm not saying that the gap on City and Liverpool is is closing, but you know, in the environment, this post-COVID world, we've seen some pretty crazy results. We're also seeing some other teams strengthening, getting their act together after a few years of sort of messing around with new new new, new money that they've had, like Everton and stuff. So, I mean, look, it, it's going to be really, really, really difficult. I'm still not sure, even with party in the midfield, that we're necessarily a, a favourite to finish in the top four. I mean, I still think we're chasing after two positions and it's, it's sort of Chelsea, Tottenham, Manchester United ourselves and possibly one other, you know, a Leicester, it could be an Everton, who knows, but it's going to be really, really difficult. So I think it was a really, really important signing. I thought the timing of it was curious because I still can't quite get my head around why you would leave it to the last moment. It's not like we were bringing in a lot of money from the other deals that happened yesterday. Um, mm. You know, it feels to me like you could have sprung this deal a couple of weeks ago if all it meant was turning up at, you know, La Liga headquarters with a bag full of cash. Um, so, uh, I mean, it hasn't made too much of a difference in the in, in, in fairness. I mean, we've we've done pretty well at the start of the season. But, yeah, really curious to see what happens next, that's for sure. Yeah. James, it is one of those things which will, um, I guess, increase the pressure on Mikel Arteta because he has spoken about the need to be backed. And whatever way you want to put it, if the restructuring of the stadium debt enabled the liquid cash to be available to do a deal like this, that is kind of backing from the owners as critical of, uh, as people have been uh, of KSE and the Cronkies. You know, they've done what they needed to do in order to make a deal like this happen, right? So it does kind of put a bit of the pressure on Arteta. How do you feel he will respond to that? I don't think it's something that will bother him or phase him or anything like it. You know, he, he seems to relish the idea of taking on these challenges, whether it's playing a Liverpool, a Man City, a Chelsea, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, to, to set your sights high and aim high seems to be just kind of part of his, his DNA, his makeup. Yeah, I mean, instinctively, I would say his confidence, his authority will be bolstered by this. He'll feel like I asked for backing and I've had it. And I think it will only make him more determined to deliver. I do think there is just to sort of sound a word of caution, you know, an interesting dynamic within the team where we do have some younger players and then we also have a number of players who are a little bit older. I mean, 27 is not old for party, but it does suggest that, you know, we need to be extracting value from that in the next three years. The same is true with the contract we've signed Aubameyang to, for example. Um, So, you know, I do think it, it does apply a degree of pressure, but Arteta just has the character that suggests he's going to relish that. And I would also say he'll have the bit between his teeth. He'll feel like, Mm. well, I asked for something, I pushed for something, I got it. I don't think it will mean when the next window rolls around, he'll take his foot off the gas. I think he'll be pushing again because he's such an ultra-competitive person. And as Andrew says, this is an ultra-competitive league. I mean, you know, teams like Everton have really pushed on. And and if Arsenal want to stand a chance of making that top four, I think even with the signing, it is going to be difficult they need to keep moving forward, keep mm. improving and, and keep spending ultimately because that's so defining in terms of league position. Right. Well, look, Thomas Partey's in. The midfield looks a lot healthier than it did. So just sticking with you, James, can you give me a mark out of 10 now for what you think this transfer window was like from an Arsenal point of view? Um, and let me just lay out what we did. Um, Torreira out on loan. Maybe we should separate them, I suppose. The incomings then. Partey, Gabriel, uh, Alex Runerson. Um Three players who've come in. Um, I know Willian that there are... Well. Willian, of course. Jesus, how do I forget Willian? Uh, are you going to count the two uh, loanees, Pablo and Cedric? Or I suppose we can't because... I mean, we can because they were announced, but we can't because they've been at the club since January. So they don't really feel like yeah. summer signings, do they? They're well, not the, summer the window signings. Ceballos, I guess, you know, but... Well, yeah, the um, recapture of Ceballos, yeah. I mean, it is part of the summer business. So, you know, he was yeah. gone and he came back. So Partey, Gabriel, Runison, Willian, Ceballos, 
you know, on an incoming basis. What's your mark out of 10 for that? It's it, for just for just the in, so not mm. including the sales here, not including the players we signed to a new contract. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I think I would give that. It's really hard to put it. I think I'd give that a seven and a half. Mm. That was what I was going to say. I wasn't quite sure if it was seven or an eight, so I would have just yeah. gone in the middle on that because I still think, you know, there are a couple of things that were not entirely sure about with the with the new players sample size with Gabriel for example is very small even if I'm very impressed with what he's done so far Runison we haven't seen play the Willian deal um the duration of it is still a problem for me I think um mm. you know even if I can see what he might bring this season um so yeah Andrew what what's your mark out of 10 yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably go with something similar. I mean, I think what's really interesting about this window is it's probably the last of the old world, isn't it? I mean, like these guys who've come in, as we've mentioned, were scouted by the former team. Mm. Um, a lot of the groundwork probably was done before those guys went. I mean, by the sounds of things, Thomas Party's been talking to Arsenal for a long time. You know, you don't just do all of the other details yesterday. I mean, that sounds like it had all been sorted. So... I, I, this is the last of the old world, a bit of a, a blend into the new when you look at some of those other youngsters who came through, um, the guys that James did the exclusives on, what's it, George Lewis and Akinola and Jonathan Yeezy. Yeah. And, and then we've seen a couple of other kids come in, haven't we, overnight, or one at least has come yeah. in overnight. Um, so I, 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 I'm curious. I, I think this is a weird window for us. Like It really is a sort of, that's what the past was, maybe a little hint of what the future is. I'll be really, really interested to see how we tackle things this time next year. I mean, I'm I'm not expecting much out of January's window. I mean, it's in two months' time. I think maybe some of the outgoing stuff um, might get sorted then. Um, but yeah, no, about it's about a seven, seven and a half. I mean, we've sort of strengthened through the spine, haven't we? I guess mm. you know we've got. I say strengthen. I mean, we've got a goalkeeper. I don't know much about him. We've got a central defender. We've got a central midfielder plus Loney Ceballos. We've got Willian sort of in front of them. So I mean, there's 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 reasonable you know experience and quality added there. James, I mean, do you think? Um over the last couple of years, you know, we've seen a fair amount of uh, instability at Arsenal. You know, the final years of the Arsene Wenger um, reign, if you like. And then we had this new structure put in place and that's all gone now. The people who were there are all gone, basically. Um, how much is stability going to be important now when the club look at what has been a very difficult transfer window because of all the circumstances that we all know and that's, you know, some internal problems and some things that are completely out of our control when it comes to COVID-19 and, and everything else. I mean, do you expect perhaps, um, this isn't to go back to our head of sales thing or anything like that, but do you expect, you know, them to take stock? The head of football left, he's more the wheeler dealer guy do you expect perhaps something to be added to the executive team uh, over the coming months um, to, to augment what uh, Arteta and Edu have been doing during this period in, you know, particularly the last four or five weeks? My, my honest opinion is that I don't expect that. And the reason that I don't is because I think that is the role Edu envisages for himself. I think he wants to be the point of contact for Arsenal on all transfers um, and, you know, I think that he is not going to bring in somebody who's going to effectively impinge on what he regards as his territory. Um, whether I'd like that to happen is a different question because, you know, I think the more support you can get at that level, the better. And Arsenal, whatever we think of Sanye, did lose someone who was an experienced and skilled negotiator. Edu has done that job in the past in Brazil, but not to the same extent. So, mm. yeah, I, I'd like to maybe to see a few more auditions just because... Uh, auditions? Something in my acting career. Uh, auditions <laughs> because... I'd like to see a few more auditions as well, actually. If anyone could arrange that, that'd be brilliant. But, New James um, Bond film is still, uh, you know, you could zip in there at the last minute, I reckon. True. Few. There's still time. <laughs> um, I'd like to, yeah, but I'm not convinced it will happen. I think that the people, as often happens in any business, the people in authority, the people with the power aren't in a hurry to dilute that. 
What about outgoings, though, James? You know, there was talk of, say, Kolasinac leaving. Um, there was talk of Socrates going on the last day where, you know, he'd been linked, I think, to Roma. There was a link to PSG, which didn't come uh, to anything, which seemed a, a strange one. Shkodran Mustafi there. You know, we've got players heading into the last year of their contract. How much sympathy do you have for the club in terms of what they've tried to do to move players on? As it stands, we have eight central defenders on the books, which is, you know, far too many. I remember, wasn't there a, wasn't there a, a season where we went into the, 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 uh, the start of the campaign with only two or three, I think, mm-hmm. and Nacho Monreal was being drafted in as a, a center half and everything else. So we've gone quite the other way. How much, how much is down to the particular circumstances, players that are difficult to move because they're, you know, older, on big wages, et cetera, et cetera, COVID-19, and, and just our general ability to move players on? It has been really hard. And, I, I, you know, if you look at the players we have got out, I mean, one that gets forgotten is Henrik Mkhitaryan. We did at least manage to well, we, get him off the we, wage bill we just at last. L- let him go for nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think his wage was so high yeah. that that was a positive step. 200 grand uh, a week, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Emmy Martinez, we sold for good money, but he would not have been top of anybody's list of who you'd want to sell. Um, you know, the centre-back situation that you mentioned, there are a few names, Kolasinac, Socrates, Mustafi, Genduzi has gone on loan, Torreira has gone on loan. Uh, it has been a struggle. Uh, Mesut Ozil, of course, completely intransigent, insisted on seeing out the final year of his contract. So it has been hard. Arsenal aren't alone in that. Like I was reading about Chelsea this morning, they've still got players like Danny Drinkwater on the books, you know, and, and they're on high salaries. Mm. It's the same problem as us. You can't find someone to take it over, particularly outside the Premier League. But yeah, I mean, maybe seven and a half sounded a bit sort of uh, a bit conservative, but I can't help but, you know, weigh the transfer window as a whole. And I think the outgoings, you know, have not been what Arsenal would have hoped for. Um, and who knows what we might have ended up with if they had. So if I had to give these a mark out of 10, um, you know, probably four or five, really. I, I mean, yeah. nothing like the exodus they probably hoped for. No, Andrew, thoughts on the the outgoings and maybe a little writing from you. You know, Genduzi going for, uh, you know, I think we did get some kind of a, a small loan fee for him from Hertha Berlin. Torreira, we're getting a loan fee from Atletico Madrid. So there is a, a few million coming in from that. But those, I think, at the start of the window might have been two players that that Arsenal would have perhaps envisaged receiving reasonable fees for. I remember not just a few weeks ago, uh, we were talking about, well, if you get back most of what you paid for Torreira, that'd be reasonable. Instead, we're getting a couple of million in a a loan fee. Ganduzi, you know, start of the window, people were talking about tens of millions for Ganduzi, but that's not forthcoming because nobody was prepared to pay that kind of money or any kind of money, it seems, for Ginduzi. So, um, yeah, your, your thoughts on the outgoings? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because we've been talking about, you know, buying players at a certain age so that they have a sell-on value. And we've just gone and proved that we couldn't get any of that value out of those players, despite buying an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old when they, you know, Ginduzi and Torreira joined. And we're basically scrambling around for a few million quid in loan fees a couple of years later. Um, I know the circumstances are a bit weird. Not great, I think. Um, I think this window will be a bit of a learning process for Edu. Um, and to be honest, he really had his hands full because this was, what, the first full window, summer window, really in his control. You know, when Sanley departed, I'm sure, you know, he hadn't been expected to be running it full, you know, fully on his own with a, with a team and stuff. So, and I, and I think they did obviously put the emphasis on trying to get a few players in. Again, you know, I'm slightly con- confused like, by, let's say, the, the Saliba thing. You know, we obviously decided after a couple of weeks that he, he may be better off being somewhere else. Then we tried to get shot of him back to St. Etienne, apparently, but we ran out of time. Mm. Um, so when you're sort of running out of time to get stuff that you want to get done, done, that's not a great look. So, I mean, that plus the fact that, I mean, I'm not a great fan of just sacking off Mkhitaryan's contract like that when in January there was a 10 million euro offer on the table apparently um you know i guess mavropanos went for a small fee as well yeah i'm kind of down at three and four um i think what was really interesting is there was a lot more structure and organization um 
in the academy level. You know, we got rid of, I say got mm. rid of, we sent a lot of players out quite early on mm. and continued to kind of do that throughout the entire process. And I think that maybe speaks to the academy being a little bit more organized under pair because he's settled. He's got a team working for him now. Yeah. And the only thing I'd say on that is that the academy recruitment changes preceded the first team ones. You yeah. know, uh, the, 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 scouts, the scouts were all kind of uh, laid off effectively, you know, some time before the first team ones. And so I agree with you. The academy are doing some quite interesting things. The loans outs have been good. They've made some, you know, some uh, intriguing signings, shall we say. And <laughs> maybe that's a, maybe that's a, um, a forerunner for what Edu's vision is for the recruitment department for the first team. I mean, he needs to put that in place now because Arsenal have kind of muddled through this window with with what they already had. Yeah, mm. I, I have to say the youth recruitment, and this isn't to do any of the players a disservice, it just reminded me a bit of when I used to play football manager and you'd just buy random young kids from clubs and hope <laughs> that they develop into, you know, uh, superstars. But let's see, <laughs> let's see what happens there. James, how do you view the William Saliba thing, his potential departure? How much of that was predicated on him not quite being ready yet uh, versus the amount of central defenders that we have in the squad. For example, if we had just four central defenders, do you think we would have been less willing to loan him out? Um, and in that context, how do we how do we view, with hindsight, of course, the fact that we paid £28 million for him last summer? I think... Assessing the transfer value is really difficult still, simply because we don't know what he will be in five years' time. Um, but I, I think it's, I think clearly, if you put that kind of investment in someone, I think Arsenal did not do that envisaging he would spend a second season on loan. Uh, I think mm. we can say that with complete confidence. As for his situation, I think it is partly about the number of centre-backs, but I think it is also about the fact he doesn't look ready. I also think there was a, a real impetus to get him back to France um, because of you know the personal side of it. And I'm just so grateful that those rumours about a potential loan move to Fulham didn't materialise because Whoa, I think yeah. that would have been the worst possible outcome, I think, for him to go into a struggling team in the Premier League and and uh, you know find that very, very difficult. I think the likelihood is... You know, maybe he'll be involved a little bit in the Europa League group stages here and there. When you look at some of the opponents we've drawn, I think, you know, he's got a pretty good chance of being involved in those games. And I think the loan situation will be revisited in January and it will be dependent on who else we can get out. But I would not be surprised at all if in two months' time when the window reopens, he's headed back to France again. What about what about a championship loan? Because it's still possible to do yeah. deals. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the, the thing is, if, if the Saliba's issue is that he doesn't look ready, the, the championship is is actually a really demanding league. Yeah, yeah. I think in some ways it will be just as demanding for him as the French top flight. So it's potentially an option. I mean, if you if you look down in the championship, there's some really good footballing teams. I mean, uh, you know, Brentford are a great example. Um, I'm trying to think who else you got down there. Bournemouth are down there. Um so I, it, I, I wouldn't rule that out personally. It'll be interesting to see if that's something that Arsenal consider. And obviously, they do need to move some players out. Still, they're not going to have room in their squad for all the non-EU players they have. And um, I wonder if a few will consider a move to the Championship. If any of them do, I think Saliba is probably the most likely. Yeah, Andrew, there are a couple, aren't there, as well, who potentially could make that move. You know, young players. I'm thinking someone like Joe Willock in particular, who who I like, but feels like a player who could do with, you know, regular football, starting regular games week in, week out. Um, he can't go on loan to a Premier League club now because this extended window only allows deals between Premier League clubs and EFL clubs and not between two Premier League clubs. So, you know, it might be considered a step down, but when you look at the quality, as James said, of some of the teams who play in the championship, a team like Leeds who were there last season, you know, obviously um, a, a fantastic place to to play your trade if you uh, if you're working with somebody like Bielsa. 
You know, there is the opportunity for one or two of those younger players like Willock, perhaps even Emil Smith-Rowe, maybe Reese Nelson, uh, depending on, on you know, the, the, the state of the squad to, to play regularly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe one, but I can't. I, I can't see Willock going only because we've got we've got six Europa League games between now and the next window opening, mm. and then we'll also have uh, a Carabao Cup quarterfinal game as well. So that's seven additional games on top of the league stuff. And the window opens in a couple of months. I think you know, if you were the player, you'd probably be thinking, I don't want to rush a decision, or you know, there's no need to rush a decision at this point. Let's see what happens in the new year. Um, I think if Willock's not playing, then I mean, he played him like 44 times last yeah, season. So yeah. he's like a real bona fide member of the first team squad. I think with Smith Rowe, I could see it happening. I think that's a shame, but he just, he seems to pick up injuries at exactly the wrong time, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, little niggly kind of injuries just before he might actually get a game. Um, Nelson, again, yeah, I think, I mean, there'd be a lot of Premier League teams lining up to take someone like Reese Nelson. A lot of European teams take you know, wanting him as well. So, you know, he may be thinking, well, I can get through the next couple of months rather than going down to the championship. I could just go and find a bigger, better um, place to play football next year. Um, so I'm, I'm not expecting to see a huge amount. And maybe a couple of other youngsters could go out, you know, guys that don't come off the tip of the tongue right now. But uh, yeah, I think things could quieten down. I think everyone might want a bit of a rest as well after all this. Yeah, fair point. Um, sticking with you, Andrew, James mentioned uh, the non-EU players. So we have a, a situation where uh, we have to name a 25-man squad for the Europa League. Uh, that has to be done by midnight tonight. But there's an October 20th deadline for the Premier League squad to be named, where there are... Uh, a maximum of 17 non-EU players allowed in the squad, or non-homegrown players, rather, allowed in the squad. As it stands, there are 19 in the um, in the squad that Mikel Arteta has at his disposal right now. So how much is the manager going to have to think about who he leaves out? And do you have any thoughts on who might be uh, the unfortunate pair. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I can see Socrates, who obviously I think was open to leaving and has fallen down the pecking order on the centre-back front. I can mm. see him being one potentially left out. Would be really harsh um, on him. Uh, I did wonder whether you could come to an agreement where you cancelled his contract outside of the window and he could move as a free agent. I don't know if that's possible, but... It was something that sprung to mind. And then I guess the other one is Mr. Ozil, isn't it? I mean, if, if, if Arteta has literally no intention of playing him, there's no point in including him in the squad. And it kind of just makes everything very clear for everyone. You stop getting asked about it because he's not in the squad anymore. Mm. James? Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to think through the names in my head. I mean, Socrates is an interesting one. And I think Andrew's point about could he could he even leave outside of the window? I, I saw Danny Welbeck's come to an agreement with Watford for his contract to be cancelled. I think a few players might be in that situation. Jack Wilshire, uh, of course, with West Jack Ham. Jack Wilshire yeah. with West Ham, yeah. And I think the talk was yesterday that that's what PSG wanted uh, Socrates to do. Certainly that's what the French reports were indicating, but they couldn't arrange it in time. I think he'd be a contender to miss out. Um, I mean, I think it's difficult to look past Ozil, isn't it? I think... He's not being considered for a selection, very, very clearly. And so this would be just a formalisation of something that's clearly already effectively a policy. So, um, mm. I mean, look, it'll be, a, it'll be a story if and when it happens. But uh, I, I, think, I think that that's the direction that we currently look headed for. And I, I think in some ways Arsenal would have probably liked to avoid the problem. You know, if they managed to move Socrates and Kolasinac on, for example, and suddenly, you know, there's no issue. But... Yeah. Uh, that's not the situation as things stand. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't make the squad, you're essentially writing off the, you know, the last months of his contract. Um, and and what, what, what do you do? How does that play out? Where, you know, where does it leave the player? Where does it leave the club? Um, it's, it's a tricky one because the optics around that one and the, the furore it would cause um, would be something to behold, I think. Um, yeah, I think they would love to have avoided yeah. the situation. But, you know, that they haven't been able to move enough players on. And you have to say, like, somebody like Kolasinac, who they were very, very open to selling, it's also very clear that Mikel Arteta, you know, when the occasion 
presents itself, is very happy to select him. Um, so it would kind of be, you know, strange if he suddenly said, I'm going to exclude him entirely. There's already a player who is excluded. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible with the Europa League, so the UEFA one, because this will only last up until the end of the group stages, that you could say one of the guys who plays all the time in the Premier League isn't going to be in the Europa True. League squad. We back ourselves to get out of it. Um, so, you don't you know, register a Bamiang or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You could work your way around it and say, well, a Bamiang's not needed in the group stages of the Europa League. We've got the rest of the squad all there, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the other thing, I mean, usually you'd also look out and not include someone who was injured. And the weird mm. thing is, I guess, with the long-term injuries, is Chambers is uh, homegrown. Martinelli is... Uh, Under 21. Under 21. Uh, and the others are all now just about on the cusp of coming back, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, well, look, plenty of thinking for Mikel Arteta to do. Um, he doesn't seem afraid of making big decisions that he feels are right for the team, regardless of what other people might think of them. So we'll wait and see how this plays out. Of course, it is October the 20th, and maybe some things can happen before then, which might um, remove some of the aggravation of a decision that he might have to make. Very finally, though, Andrew, I'll ask you first. I suppose, um, as we've touched on, some of the business that we've done this summer indicates uh, a desire or a, a a push to get back into the top four now, the Aubameyang deal, the um, the Partey deal at, at 27, someone like Willian coming in, you know, with all the experience that he's had at, at that level. Um, you know, the, there are benefits to that, of course, as well. When you have experienced players around, they can uh, really help develop the younger players. But it does feel like they're going for top four again. And perhaps that is a bit short term, but maybe there's no other way to operate from an Arsenal point of view uh, right now. They need to get back in there and need that revenue. So out of 10, how confident are you now with this squad as it stands after the window have cl- uh, has closed uh, that we might be able to achieve that this season? Six and a half. Okay. And I think it's going to be all about keeping our heads while those around us lose theirs a little bit. I think we just need to take draws in games that we might have lost before. I think we're going to lose a few games along the way. We need to compartmentalise those. We need to stay solid. But I think you looked at a couple of the teams who qualified for the Champions League last year and snuck in there at the end. It Mm. wasn't about being a fantastic team. It was about just trying to string a few runs of results together. And, you know, I think we just need to try and stay steady, consistent. And if we can do that, I think we might just do it. James? Yeah, I think Andrew's nailed it. You know, it's about staying in the fight. I think it's going to be incredibly competitive and I don't think it's something, well, we, of course we can't take it for granted. It's not something we've had. I guess about 60%, yeah. Mm. And, and most of that comes from the coach, you know. He, he really yeah. does give me belief that we can push on and do this. And I think, you know, we've talked about the signings, we've talked about the players out. I honestly think the contract extensions of, of Saka and Aubameyang are a huge part of what Arsenal achieved this summer. Uh, and Aubameyang in particular will be essential if we're going to make it. Mm. What do you rate our chances like? I'm sort of between a six and a seven. Um, I, I think the early signs are, are promising. I think if we've got players or have brought a player in who can... I don't mean to say that, that uh, Partey could be transformative, but I think Partey gives Mikel Arteta the opportunity to play and set up his team in a way which is more in tune with what he wants. You know, he was quite clear the other day, wasn't he, about, you know, the kind of football that he wants to play, but, you know, I have to get results with the players that I have. Um, And there's an element of pragmatism to that and, you know, uh, trying to extract the maximum from players who, you know, a lot of whom are kind of Europa League level players to get mm. back into the Champions League. I just feel that maybe Partey and some of the development of the young players and if we can get Aubameyang scoring again and we can get more out of Nicolas Pepe, you know, there is room for, for improvement. I think the Sheffield United game was encouraging because it was a game we drew last season. It was a game we lost away from home last season. Uh, and those are the kind of gains that we need to make you know, if we turned four or five of those draws last season into single goal wins, we would have been there or thereabouts in terms of Champions League 
even though, you know, what, what came in the first few months of the season was absolutely crazy, you know? So I'm sort of fluctuating between a six and a seven, but like you, I think I get a fair amount of confidence from Mikel Arteta. So look, let's see. Um, we don't have to worry about transfers or transfer deadline day or anything like that for another ooh, three months or so. So we can just concentrate on the football, which of course is what everybody wants. But uh, as ever, James, thank you very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. Great chatting. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter at A. Allen Sport and, of course, writing stuff over on Arsblog News and James, uh, who is at Gunnerblog, of course. So there you go. There is a extra, a extra and extra bonus podcast for you. Talking about transfers, talking about transfer deadline day, the new signing who is an exciting player, somebody who I think will bring an extra dimension to this team and the way we might play. It is a bit of a shame we've got a couple of weeks uh, for it to happen because we're in the middle of an international break now lots of players going away with their uh, their countries fingers crossed they all come back safe and sound fingers crossed they all come back healthy obviously the more they're outside the uh, Premier League bubble and the smaller bubble that they exist in uh, you know when they're playing for their clubs the greater the chance of um, exposure to COVID-19 it is I'm sure as you all know on the rise again in many places so Please keep yourself safe, wash your hands, wear a mask when you need to protect yourself and protect other people too. And let's keep fingers crossed that in a a couple of weeks' time, we see Thomas Partey absolutely take Manchester City apart as we go there and inflict upon them the defeat that is long, long, long overdue. Right, as ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. Really appreciate it. Patreon is patreon.com forward slash arsblog. We've got more to come later this week. Of course, there's a regular arsecast on Friday. Keep an eye on the site for profiles of uh, Thomas Partey. We've got some stuff coming up on arsblog.com. But until the next one, take it easy, folks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.